mom, I just think about, it's that unconditional love. Um, those, the love that you never ever thought that you could feel for anyone or anything. I, I, I would probably do anything for my boys. Um, but being a mom, it's, it's full of joy, it's full of pain. Um, you hurt when they hurt. Um, but you also have joy when they have joy. Being a mom is a never-ending journey of life surprises. Some good, some bad. But I never tire of the laughter and the joy that my boys bring into our lives. Um, you're going to have good times and bad times, but to focus on the good. Being a mom is uh, probably easily the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. It's, if you asked me when I was a child and even as a teenager what I wanted to be when I grew up, it was, I want to be a mom. And, uh, and since I have four children, I guess I did that. I had someone recently tell me that being a mom is like having part of your heart taken out of your body and letting it roam around the world. And that is kind of what it feels like because you feel every little bit of pain, you feel every little bit of joy multiplied uh, for each of your children. I have a better understanding of God's love for us because of my children. That unconditional love that he has for us, I have a better understanding of what that means and what that looks like. There are days, there are moment by moment that my children just drive me up the wall with their constant disobedience or just defiance of what I'm saying and yet I still love them and would run to them in a heartbeat the moment they need me. Well, I think when I became a mom, I definitely became like, it forced me to kind of get back into church um, because I wasn't, I didn't really have, I had a relationship with God, but then went through a phase where I didn't have a very close relationship with God. And I think once my son was born, I just wanted, I needed and wanted that um, for him, but also for me, because I don't know honestly how I would have gotten through it you know, without him, but um, I think, like, also I look at where, who Cameron is now, and I know that it's only because I trust, it has nothing to do with, like, anything I've done, but because I trusted him to God, you know, to take care of that. To new moms, I would say, or to moms-to-be, I would say, uh, give yourself a break. Um, you want to take things seriously, absolutely, but you also want to make sure you're keeping the big picture in mind. Uh, those little things that can get in the way, the, the little things that, are my children tying their shoes in time? Are they getting all A's in school? Um, focus instead on, are these people that I'm raising, are they becoming the people I want them to be? Are they kind? Do they love others? Those are the things that are the most important things and focus on that and less on all of the things that only matter now and don't matter for eternity. But I'd say not to sweat the small stuff. I think as you get older, you realize the small stuff doesn't matter. Just to embrace the journey and to be patient. Even on days you think you are completely out of patience, to find that strength in God and to watch them each develop their own path and 
to support them and walk beside them on uh, their spiritual journey towards Christ. One of my favorite things is when other parents come to me and tell me things that our boys have done um, without telling us because I know when that happens they're doing it for the right reasons and that makes my heart happy. For any soon-to-be moms or new moms, the big thing is to know you're not alone in this. Um, there are plenty of other women around here that love you and want to support you and ask for help. Reach out, find other moms to encourage you and to strengthen you and let you know that you're not alone in those moments where you just want to walk out the door and close it behind you and sit outside and quiet for a little bit. You're not alone crying because you don't know what to do. Um, there's somebody there to help you um, and to give you a hug. And God loves you so much. And you can do this. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TVA, and happy Mother's Day. Would all the moms in this room please stand? Come on, don't be embarrassed. Please stand. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you, ladies. You know, Mother's Day can bring a mix of emotions for many women. There are those anticipating the birth of their first child, stepmoms wondering what their place is, those who have lost their mother and are faced with grieving on Mother's Day. There are moms who encounter feelings of hurt because their children have stepped away from God. There are women desperately longing to be a mom. And there are those overwhelmed with pain at the loss of a child. No matter what you face this Mother's Day, you can turn to God and experience peace and healing. And we would like to take a moment and pray for all of you. So please pray with me. Father God, we come to you today on behalf of the mothers whom you have entrusted with the care of your most precious children. We thank you for creating each mom with a unique combination of gifts and talents. We thank you for the sacrifice of self each mom gives to her children, for the late nights spent rocking an infant or worrying about a teenager making it home for the hands that have washed, scrubbed, hugged, padded, disciplined, and wiped away tears. We thank you for the gift of time moms give for their kids. Whether it's stay-at-home moms, working moms, or moms who have some combination of the two, we thank you for their flexibility, for their tirelessness, their perseverance, and their devotion. May they be given the honor and thanks they deserve but often do not receive. Father, we pray you give each mom strength. Help her to see in every mundane task the eternal significance that you place on motherhood. Help her to understand that the most radical, world-changing event may be happening anonymously in her home. Father, for those struggling through this day, we pray you draw them near to you so that they may feel your peace. Help them to put this burden at the foot of the cross and allow you to take it from them. 
Finally, Father, we thank you for all types of mothers, grandmothers, aunts, sisters, wives, stepmothers, foster mothers, guardians, and more. Whether they are new mothers with infants or older mothers with an empty nest, may they be blessed by you today. We ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Ashley Shive. I am honored to be speaking with you today, and I am not one of the bald pastors here. I am married to one, though. I am married to Dave Shive, and we have one son, Marshall. I am Jen Stiverson. It is my privilege also to be talking to you. Um, I am married to Brian Stiverson, one of the bald Brians, and our kids are Ellie and Jason. My name is Sherry Legg, and I'm also married to one of the bald pastors, and I'm married to the other Brian. We have three beautiful daughters, Alyssa, who is 15, and Avery and Addison, who are 13. This is the last week of Celebrate Recovery series. I know for me, I have thoroughly enjoyed this series, and I hate to see it come to an end, but all good things must come to an end. Um, So let's review what we've learned so far. If you haven't picked up on it by now, Each week has been a letter of the word recovery. R is realize that I'm not God, that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life is unmanageable. E, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and he has the power to help me recover. Principle three is consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Oh, openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to another person I trust. V, voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. The next E is for evaluate. All my relationships offer forgiveness to those who've hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. And R, reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and gain the power to do his will for my life. And that brings us to the very last one. Why? Why is for yield? Yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others by both my example and my words. See, God wants to use you and your experiences to help other people. He wants to recycle the pain in your life for the benefit of others. Usually, we think God only uses really gifted, really talented people. But the fact that we're up here should let you know that's not true. Usually, we think, God, use my strength. But God says, no, I don't want to use your strength. I want to use your weaknesses. Because people are not helped by your strength. They're helped when you're honest about your weaknesses. You share your strength and they say, big deal, I'll never have that. You share your weaknesses and they say, I can relate to that. As you share from your hurts, habits, and hang-ups of things that you're recovering from, God wants to use you, and that's what step eight is all about. Yield myself to be used by God to bring this good news to others. When you understand this, that God uses your weaknesses and pain, life takes on a whole new meaning. 
But when you begin, begin to practice this step, then you have genuine recovery. The proof of recovery is when you begin to focus outside of yourself. You stop being so self-absorbed. My needs, my hurts, my problems. And you start saying, how can I help other people? You want to help others, not just keep focusing on what's happened to you. As we wrap the series up, we want to do two things. First, talk about why God has allowed my pain. And second, how can I use my pain to help others? The first reason that God allows pain is because God has given you free will. In Genesis 1.27, we are told, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So how are we like God? We have a choice. You can choose good or bad, right or wrong. You can reject God or you can accept God. It's your choice. See, God created us all to worship him and praise him, but he wanted us to choose to do it. As the creator of all things, he could have chosen to make us bow down and sing praises all day with no choice. He didn't do that. He made us in his image. He wants our love voluntarily. After all, you can't say you love someone unless you have the option to not love them. You can't say you're good unless you have the choice to be bad. So God gave you free will and a choice. And while having that free will seems like a blessing, it is also a burden. Because sometimes, believe it or not, we make really dumb choices. Dumb choices that cause all kinds of painful consequences in our lives. And that's where my hurts and habits and hang-ups really got started. You see, I struggle with very low self-esteem and comparing myself to others around me. And when I do that, I always seem to end up the loser. So I try to find ways to validate myself and my worth and find worth in who I am. I searched for this in men who would pay attention to me. Their attention made me feel good about myself. I searched for this in fitting in with the crowd. I would morph my personality to fit whoever I was with so that they would think I was cool. I would always try to please whoever I was with. The problem with this is that pleasing others led me down a path of sin and shame and destruction. I was so desperate for affirmation from others, I allowed myself to make very dumb choices. I had sex before marriage because that got me affirmation and attention from men, even though I knew it was wrong. I started drinking and going to parties because I thought that made other people think I was fun and they would want to hang out with me. The problem is, these things started to take over my life since they were giving me what I craved, all that positive attention. I worked very hard in school and at work after graduation, and I would not tolerate failure from myself ever because if I failed, well, nobody would like me and nobody would respect me anymore. I pushed myself so hard and I changed who I was for every situation and person that I basically just became mentally exhausted. And quite honestly, 
really had no idea who I was. The foundation of who I was seemed to constantly shift like quicksand. I was right where Satan wanted me to be. Easy picking for the father of lies. This is not where God wanted me to be, but it's part of the package when it comes to free will. Not only did God give you free will, but he gave it to everyone else. That free will allows other people to make really dumb choices too. Sometimes those decisions made by others hurt innocent victims. Some of you here today have been deeply hurt by a parent, a spouse, a teacher, a friend, or a relative. Could God have prevented that from happening? Yes, by taking away their free will. But to be fair, he would have had to take yours too. So you can see the dilemma. Free will is a tremendous blessing. You have a choice, but it's also a tremendous burden. God does not want us to be consumed by our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups. He wants us to find our identity, our value, and our worth, and our foundation in him alone. However, it is your choice, and he won't overrule you. Another reason that God allows our pain is to get our attention. Um, I'm reading this book right now. It's called The End of Me, and the author is Kyle Eidelman. And in this story, he tells um, another story about Ernest Hemingway, who made a bet with some friends over lunch. Um, The guys bet him $10 that he couldn't come up with a short story that was six words long. Hemingway took the bet and scratched out on a napkin these six words, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. It's a story, a gut-wrenching one. But Eidelman goes on to say... We could all pretty quickly come up with six words that tell a real-life story, a time that the plot changed, if you will. Some of the six-word phrases that have marked my life are these. We're losing your sister. Come home. Let's see if antidepressants start helping. Your baby has no heartbeat. Sorry. Just don't be in our lives. That one from a close family member. It's mom. Doctor says it's cancer. This last one happened in August of 2011. I got a call from a mom that made my heart sink. It's cancer. I remember calling my sister, and we eventually had to hang up because neither one of us could speak. The eventual diagnosis after weeks of tests was that it was stage four and had already spread to her lymph nodes and tailbone. No one ever likes the thought of losing mom, and most definitely not at my age. Here I was at 27 years old with a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I wanted Ellie and Jason to remember their Nana and all the memories they'd have with her, her goofiness, her garage sailing, and her finding shells early in the morning at the beach, to name a few. Her treatment plan lasted nearly a year, operations, chemo, and radiation, more isolation because she couldn't risk getting sick. One of the first things I remember in the weeks following her diagnosis was the shock of realizing just, it, it just halted my life. And um, I remember Brian making this CD um, that was just worship, just all of it speaking to just trusting who God is. Um, he made one for my mom and one for myself, and I listened to that CD a lot. I cried in my worship asking God to help me battle the fear of losing my mom. I begged him to help my mom feel peace. I spent some precious one-on-one time with the Lord during that time, reading the scriptures, praying, worshiping. I remember literally walking myself through what my reality would be like without my mom. It may sound morbid. 
terrible place to lose your spot. Goodness. <laughs> Where did I go? Sorry, it may sound morbid, but I had to get the mentality in my mind of what it would be like without her so that I could ask God if I'd still trust him. Would I still believe that he was good? Could I still trust him with my husband and children? His answer was always yes. Whether I found that answer in scripture or praising him, we're talking to a friend. A verse that I really loved during that time was John 14, 33. It says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. It doesn't say we might have trouble. It says we will have trouble. But my confident trust is in the Lord that says he's overcome the world. I can only realize that reality by drawing close to him. God used this scary and painful attention grabber to deepen my understanding of his love and to deepen my ability to trust him. In the message paraphrase, Matthew 5, 4 says, you've been blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. If the byproduct of pain is more intimacy with the father, then something good can come out of my pain. The plot, plot twist of my mom's cancer did have a good ending. By June of 2012, God had answered our prayers and my mom was considered cancer-free. The third reason God allows pain is to make us depend on him. Think about these things for a moment. What is it in your life that you hold on to as your identity? What is the one thing that you feel like you couldn't live without? Is it your competence in a given area? The role you play in others' lives? You know, wife, mother, teacher, boss, friend, sister, friend. I said that twice, sorry. Maybe it's your spouse or your children. If it's not in Christ, you don't have true freedom. me it's comparison my food my children and my job he revealed to me over the last several years that my children being a good teacher and my marriage have been my idols that I was striving each day to be enough in then it was comparing myself to other ladies their gifts their talents their personalities, their bodies, their beauty, their habit-togetherness. Yes, that's a word, so I just made it up. Don't judge me, because I'm sure I'm not alone. Recently, well, not so recently, for years actually, God has been dealing with me on my addiction to food. I allow that to be my source of comfort when I'm happy, sad, mad, bored, or even just have something to celebrate. I'm learning that I crave food more, way more than I do God. Three weeks ago, I started Weight Watchers. It's been amazing to see how much better I feel now that I eat things that are actually good for me and that I'm aware of everything that goes in my mouth. 
I also love how that God and his word are woven into their philosophy. The things he's teaching me in his word are the very things that I'm hearing and learning at the meetings. His timing is perfect. It's not easy, but I know the rewards will far outweigh the sacrifices that I have to make in order to be healthy, feel good, and be around for several more years. So I ask you again, what do you depend on? You know, your idols. Yes, they are idols. Anything that we put before God or are more important than God and spending time with him are idols. Whatever we're living for controls us. So if it's not Christ, we have competing saviors. My D group, D group did a challenge two weeks ago that was not fun or easy. We identified the distractions in our lives that keep us from focusing on God, praying, and spending time in his word. Then we fasted those things for a week. Mine was fake book and Yahtzee with friends. Oh, my word, what an eye-opener it was for that week. It was unreal how many times I just opened my phone mindlessly to just disconnect from life. Andy Stanley says that direction, not intention, determines our destination. My intention was to be dependent on him, but my direction, choosing other things before him, was not drawing me closer. I am learning to look to him as my source of strength, my comfort, my healer, my rock, my deliverer, my everything. He is enough. When we come to the realization that he is enough, we can surrender our grip on those things and people around us and truly direct our whole lives to him. We only learn this by spending time at his feet. The Lord is placing you on the ledge to see if you will trust him with everything. Are you going to let go of your hurts, habits, and hang-ups and give them to God? Or are you going to keep holding on to them, thinking you can fix them? We have to choose faith or fear. God created us to live by faith. What is your faith then? If it's not in him, he will arrange it so that it will be. He wants us to depend on him and him alone. Sometimes pain makes us join a club we don't want to be a part of. Yours might be divorce, wayward children, loss of a child, anxiety and depression, chronic disease. That year my mom was diagnosed, I joined a club that started with a capital C. Cancer doesn't just affect one individual, but everyone around them as well. But if we press in, we'll find out that joining that club also surrounds us with people who, knew to, who need to see our trust in Jesus. The fourth reason that God allows our pain is because it gives us a ministry to others. Jesus gives us a ministry to the people who face the things we've faced. On my mom's journey, she had a friend who was at her house with ice cream and every detail imaginable on what the road ahead would look like. More importantly, that friend told her to keep her hope in Christ. I've run into people over these last seven years that I've immediately connected with because God gave me a sensitivity to the hurt related to cancer. Most recently, the ministry has been to my mom again and to the people around me. My mom's been going through testing for the last month or two, and they've discovered what they think is her breast cancer returned again, this time in her brain. The Lord continues to pursue me in the midst of this fresh diagnosis, making me depend on him again. 
I've been an ear to listen to my mom, and I, in turn, I've shared hope and more worship songs with her, more scripture. A couple of weeks ago, I was in the car by myself, and I turned up a song that I just love. It's called King of My Heart. And the chorus of her in the song is just, she's saying, you are good, over and over. God talked to me that day saying, Jen, whatever the future holds, I'm good. Do you believe that? I have your mom in my hands, and I know her future. My goodness doesn't change because of fear, cancer, or even death. The day I found out she had cancer again, I was heartbroken, yet filled with trust all at the same time. I know my mom's going to heaven, whether I get two more years or 20 more years with her. I'm grateful that I serve a God who is helping me to see that my days on this earth are a blip on the timeline of eternity. I get to share this confident hope with the people I encounter. As I talk with people about my mom, they get to hear about the hope of Christ. My mom's cancer is sharing the gospel. Y'all, that's good news. The Lord doesn't waste a hurt, but we can if we're not willing to pour ourselves out for the people that God puts us around. God can use the hurts, the habits, and hang-ups in your life to minister to others. Going back to what I said earlier, what are the six words that mark a painful stake in your life? Are you letting God use the painful moments of your life to heal others? Maybe your six words sound like some of these. There's been an accident. Come quick. We're letting go of your position. I just don't love you anymore. We can't explain why you're infertile. Let's see if antidepressants will work. All of these represent hurts that are easy to hold on to and keep safe within your own thoughts and emotions if you let them. But God desperately needs you to minister to those around you. Have you ever considered that someone else's healing and maybe just your own can come when you're willing to be open and vulnerable about the pain that life's brought you? The truth is, some things we only can learn through pain. It is the only way. In this series, you've heard several people share lessons and testimonies that they learned through pain, life's greatest teacher. And God allowed that pain. Remember, he didn't cause it, but he did allow it. If we learn from that pain, it can make us humble, sympathetic, and sensitive to others' needs. This is what step eight is all about. Yield yourself to God to help other people. You know, the truth is, pain prepares us to serve. 2 Corinthians 1.4. Why does God do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given us. Everybody needs recovery of some type. Mental, physical, spiritual, social, relational. We all need recovery. We all have hurts, bad habits, and hang-ups. Nobody is perfect. Who better to help an alcoholic than somebody who struggled with alcoholism? Who better to help somebody dealing with the pain of abuse than somebody who was abused themselves? Who better to help somebody who lost their job and went bankrupt than somebody who lost their job and went bankrupt? God wants to use and recycle the pain in your life to help others, but you have to be open and honest and share it. If you keep the hurt to yourself, you're just wasting it. 
When Dave first spoke to me about youth ministry and helping out with teenagers, I was terrified, not going to lie. Not so much because of teenagers. But what parent would want me, with my background, teaching their kid? I mean, honestly, how do I walk up to them and say, you shouldn't drink alcohol before you're 21? You should put boundaries in place to keep you from any type of sexual activity before you're married. You should quickly invest in a church group when you get to college so that you're going to have support while you're there. Knowing full well, I didn't do any of those. I felt great shame at my past, so I hid it. I was really unhappy. And I was not moving forward in my relationship with Christ. But God. But God in his great wisdom allowed me to work with the high school girls when we took on youth. I saw in them such hope and potential and drama and struggles. And I realized they're heading down the same path that I took. How could I stay quiet when I had wisdom and experience that could teach them to try and stop them from making the same mistakes that I had made, from having to live with the pain and the shame that I already had experienced? The shame of my past no longer held me quiet. I saw God had walked me through the pain of my past with all the repercussions that came with it for a time such as this, for a moment where I could look at those girls and tell them, you don't need men, achievements, or anyone else to tell you you are important and that you are loved. That searching for your identity and worth in these things will only lead you to heartbreak and sin and lifelong struggles. While I still am very embarrassed by my past, who better to help a girl struggling to find self-worth and identity in things of this world than a woman who already walked that path, lived that pain, and was brought back to the light by God? Now I understand all the different experiences and hurts in my life can be to God's glory if I will only allow it and be willing and honest to share it. They are my ministry plan, my roadmap for the future. Now, Satan is still going to try and trip us up. We are still going to make really dumb decisions, and we are going to have more hurts and have more bad habits and hang-ups. But like Joseph said to his brothers in Genesis 50, 20, we can firmly say this to Satan. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. If you've had pain in your life and learned to overcome it, you have a valuable tool to help others. Like Ashley said before, God comforts us, so we will comfort others. The enemy wants to isolate us so that we are easier to destroy. He works in darkness, and his hope is that we keep our hurts, habits, and hang-ups in the dark 
hidden. He wants us to keep our mouths shut so that nothing changes. He uses shame and guilt, but we were created to reflect God's image, image bearers, not shame bearers. So how do you begin? First, you need to be in his word. God has something to say to you through his word. You cannot grow as a Christian without being in his word. Believe me, I've tried. Second is spend time at his feet like Stivey talked about last week. Connecting daily with the vine because apart from him, we can't do anything. Third, pray for God's direction, wisdom, and discernment to open doors for you to share your story, your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups to help someone else. And number four, be in a discipleship group and or coming on Friday nights to celebrate recovery. A 19th century philosopher told a parable to a community of ducks waddling off to duck church to hear the duck preacher. That particular morning, the duck preacher spoke eloquently about their God-given ability to fly. With these wings, said the duck preacher, there is nowhere you cannot go. There is no God-given task you cannot accomplish. With these wings, you can soar into the presence of God. Shouts of amen quacked through the duck congregation. At the conclusion of the service, the ducks left commenting on what a wonderful message they had heard as they waddled back home. Proclaiming the call to fly had done nothing to change the ducks. This fable hits painfully close to home in today's churches. Sadly, even here at TBA. We attend church, sing the songs, hear a great message, leave the service, and return home the same way, with no apparent change in our lives. What about you? Are you going to waddle out the door today, or do you want to learn how to fly? God calls us to fly. He loves us with an everlasting love. Don't wait for him to allow pain in your life to get your attention. Do not waddle out today the same. Some of you in here are holding tight to some pain that you haven't really begun to process. You may simply need to take the first step of acknowledging that pain and praying with someone. Sometimes pain causes us to want to turn away from God instead of turning to him. Some of you need to just simply start with handing your pain over to Jesus um, I'm about to pray, but when we finish praying um, during this time of worship, the altars are open. Um, we'll be over at Next Steps with some others, and there will be people back at Celebrate Recovery. Um, if you will, just go ahead and bow your head and pray with me. Father God, thank you for your great love. Thank you that you are a God that can handle our pain. God, that you don't waste pain. God, that just that blesses my heart to know that all of the pain that I that I encounter will not be wasted, Lord, even even the bad choices that I've made. Lord, I pray that you, you reach into the hearts of the people that are here today. God, if there is someone that is struggling with, with pain right now, Lord, if just our habits that they just can't seem to break, Lord, I pray that you would move them to action, Lord, that even if action starts with a prayer, Father God, that you would you would fill, fill this place with your presence, Lord. Um, God, thank you. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.